the new Hellraiser movie has basically turned a male superhero into a transgender woman superhero. Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. There's a new Hellraiser movie out on Hulu. I'm not going to watch it, but it's kind of interesting. You know, I bet most of my listeners have not watched the Hellraiser movies, but you would know Pinhead, the guy that they put on the cover of each movie usually, which is like, he's a monster who has a grid. He 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 has no hair, and he has like a square grid cut into his skin, and at each intersection of the grid is like a nail. He's like a guy that has a bunch of nails sticking out of his head. And it, I guess, apparently it's the 11th Hellraiser movie. I mean, I've seen the first two for sure. Maybe number three also. And then apparently, you know, there's a ton of bad ones direct to video. Originally, they were all, you know, in the theater movies. And then the person who is playing Pinhead now. So in the old days, Pinhead was like a British actor. Like a man, probably, in his late 40s. But now Pinhead has been replaced with a transgender individual. You know, a male to female trans. And so, you know, Pinhead's the most famous thing from the movie. So they, you know, the the poster, whatever, like the digital poster. You know, you don't have, like, posters anymore. But anyways, the digital poster is a picture of her being Pinhead. And she's, I don't know, disturbing looking? I guess so. I mean... First off, she has all these cuts in her head and, you know, nails into her skull or whatever. But in fact, that part's not disturbing at all. But she has no eyebrows. For whatever reason, that is always very disturbing. I just saw a thing with Madonna. Madonna no longer has any eyebrows. She is looking fucked up. Her plastic surgery has gone terribly wrong. And maybe she's saying she's gay now. But anyways, this actress with a penis who's playing Pinhead... She looks disturbing beyond the the horror. I don't know if I said that. Hellraiser is a horror movie series. I'm sure you got that. But she just looks funky, and it's beyond just the lack of eyebrows. And, or, you know, beyond funky, disturbing. And it just got me thinking about it a little bit, because, you know, if a... You know, let's just cut to the chase. If a man dresses like a woman... woman It's a little disturbing, or if a woman dresses like a man, that's a little disturbing, but it's not that disturbing. And so this is not just a man who lives his life as a woman, and then he is wearing the makeup for a horror character. Um, I think I think it's um, it's drugs. You know, I guess whatever whatever drugs a man takes when he wants to be a woman, and so it's kind of like bad plastic surgery. I guess that's my point. He looks like he's had bad plastic surgery, although I think what he is is a man who is now a woman and he's taking hormone blockers and extra estrogen or something. And I don't know if the movie's woke other than that. Um, People seem to like it pretty well. I mean, it's just a... whatever. It's just a movie on Hulu, right? They, They come out with one every week, probably. But it makes me think of me and my history with Hellraiser, the first two movies. So I guess when I was in ninth grade... I had some friends who were into horror movies, and, like, I lived in the woods with no electricity, I didn't have, um, TV, I didn't have radio, I didn't have movies, I didn't have anything. And so the only way I would, this is ninth grade, 
It depended on if I lived with my mom or my dad. I lived with my dad some years, and I'd have, like, HBO or something. But anyways, ninth grade, I lived with my mom, and I had nothing. I just lived in the woods with nothing. We did not have a toilet. We did not have running water, etc. Although I think that was the year we got solar, and we got, like, an RV, recreational vehicle, um... VHS TV combo or whatever. Towards the towards you know, after yeah, at the end of ninth grade, the summer after ninth grade, I could actually rent videos and watch them. That was freaking sweet. But anyways, for ninth grade, I couldn't watch nothing, and I was in a class with my buddy, and for whatever reason, we had time to talk and not have to pay attention to the teacher, or we kept it on the down low. I don't know. I forget what was going on, and I think it was Spanish class, which is a whole other crazy story. But I made that teacher, well, no, I didn't. We made that teacher cry a bunch. And then she tried to flunk me. And then my teacher, then my parents had to get in a big fight with the teacher. And then they, they gave me a D and let me pass. Anyways, <laughs> maybe it's because I was talking about Hellraiser. But just, I just remember, it's just one of those childhood memories that you'll never forget. Uh, my buddy told me the story of Hellraiser 2 during class. And I was just... Whatever. I was I was lapping it up. I ate it up. I loved it. And I guess we got nothing else going on. Um, let's talk about the first two Hellraisers. So Hellraiser is based on a novella, which just means a short, I don't know, whatever. It's like a short story, I guess, by Clive Barker, who was a famous horror writer back in the 80s. And the, I guess it was called The Hellbound Heart. And I think Hel, uh, Clive Barker, he directed the first Hellraiser movie. And so Clive Barker is a gay man, and the Hellraiser movies has a lot of, um, you know, people wearing, like, black latex bodysuits, kind of like the gimp from um, Pulp Fiction. I mean, it's all it's all quite sexual. And, you know, does, like, does being a gay man mean that you're extra sexual, and then when you're writing your, no- writing your novels and making your movies, there's going to be lots of sex? I mean, they're not gay, but there is a lot of sexual something well bdsm stuff i guess basically that's the point it's all bondage sadomasochism like that's the whole point of these movies or the the first two i guess the new one is all about drug addiction so they've they've swapped out the sex for drugs and it makes me think of something i i looked it up once and i haven't looked it up recently to make sure that it's still true but like the question was are gay men more promiscuous than heterosexual people and the thing that i read was that most gay men i don't remember the numbers most gay men have just as much sex and just as many partners and you know they're just as likely to cheat or stay in a committed relationship or whatever most gay men are just the same as heterosexuals but the reason why you get the stereotype of gay guys going to the club and just you know having sex with someone in the bathroom that they met literally three seconds ago is that there's a certain percentage so most gay men are like all of heterosexuals but there's a little there's a chunk and i don't know you know 10 percent, 20 percent, whatever it is there's a certain percentage of gay men who are insanely promiscuous like you know they will go to the bar a different bar every night and have sex with a different person every single night and if you do that you know it's like oh you had 365 partners this year and then, you know, if you do that for 10 years, you got 3,650 partners in your lifetime. So anyways, that raises the average for all gay people because some of them are just so crazy promiscuous. 
And like if straight men could go into the women's bathroom at a club and just start having sex with whatever woman is in there after three seconds, I mean, there'd probably be a bunch of straight men who are just as promiscuous. But anyways, men can't do that because women are a little different. But anyway, so these, let us talk about the first one first. So the first one is, I think it's more highbrow. Like maybe I, I probably maybe would like it more today. I haven't watched them since I was a teen. But it was more of a, it was slower. Well, first off, it was slower, and it had more of a, I don't know, trying to win an Oscar type of feel, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's no Oscar contender, but it's trying to be a good movie. And it's about a woman who had a boyfriend, and somehow there's magic. Somehow there's magic or whatever, you know, demon magic or something in this world, and... Her boyfriend is, like, dead. I think he's, like, a... I don't know what he is. Like a, I can't remember. He might be a skeleton or maybe just a single bone or something. He's, he's, like, nothing. But she finds out that if she kills people and the blood falls onto this guy's... What becomes a skeleton. And, anyways, then, then he starts getting more and more flesh. So, you know, it goes from a skeleton. Then he's, like, a skeleton who's starting to have um, organs inside of it. Then he's got muscles on top of that, you know, and eventually he gets skin, and then it's just an actor, you know. I think, I mean, I don't know, this is old school special effects. I think they did a decent job. But basically, most of the movie is just this woman going to the bar, saying, I'm gonna, I'll fuck you to some random man, drunk man, and the drunk man will come home with her, and then she just stabs him, and all his blood, like, runs through the, they got a floor with big cracks in it, so they got the body underneath the floor, and then you kill someone on top of the floor, and the red... The blood runs through the cracks in the floor and revitalizes the person until he's back alive. And then the famous part, or, you know, that's that's most of the movie. But anyways, the famous part is there's also a little puzzle box. It's kind of like a Rubik's Cube, you know, except for made out of brass and a lot fancier. And once you solve the puzzle, um, there's these things called the Cenobites. And these are the people who are dressed up in latex and, you know, have nails covering their entire head or their eyes are held open with, you know, eye hold openers, whatever you call that. And they're just gross. It's like they're, whatever. They're like horror monsters, but you don't, um, they're just, they're all, they already got their flesh exposed, whatever. Like they've already been cut. They've already been cut. So you don't see them be cut. They just come out and they're like, yeah, we, we, we are a horror monster. And then they, um, Whatever, they take they take you to hell. They come out and take you to hell. And I can't remember, I think they take the guy. After he finally gets his body back, they take the guy to hell or something, or maybe the girl or everyone, I'm not sure. And they're not a very, they're just a small part of the movie at the end, and they don't talk much. They basically just come out and say that, like, you know, pleasure is this flip side of pain and whatever. We're going to take you to hell, and it's going to be more pleasure and more pain than you can ever imagine. It's going to be awesome. And then the second one was the one that I liked. It's more of a... That was kind of an adult movie. And I don't mean adult like, oh, you shouldn't let kids see titties and people getting their heads chopped off or whatever. It was more adult in that it was slower and more boring. And then the second one kind of fixed that. And so the Cenobites were a much bigger part of the movie. And so it kind of was like a superhero movie. Or, you know, maybe super villains, I guess. So the Cenobites, they have... I don't know, basically magic, you know, they're demons. They're some sort of, sort of demon, and they have, like, magic powers. 
And so there's kind of like fights between people or you're trying to get away from them when they're using their magic powers. Anyways, when I was a teenager, I thought that was awesome. And Pinhead, the original Pinhead, he was the coolest. They do some flashbacks and it turns out he was like a British soldier in Egypt and I don't know what. Before World War One, and he found the magic box and that was how he got taken to hell and then he came back with all the nails in his head. But his magic power was pretty sweet is that he had um, chains with like giant fish hooks attached to him. And he could just kind of wave his hand in the air or wave a finger in the air and just out of kind of nowhere... Uh, a chain attached to a giant fish hook would come shooting out and attach it to whoever he was trying to kill or, you know, or tear up, you know. And so he just, he just do be like chain, 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 chain until someone's like completely hooked with these giant fish hooks attached to chains. And then, you know, he'd do something gross to him. But really he was like a superhero. It was like a superhero whose power was to have magic chains come out of nowhere with giant fish hooks attached to them and he could kill you with them. Twitter handle at Anti Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.